Hello everyone and welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Well, happy February to everyone. Um, a, a mix of emotions when we uh, say goodbye to January in a way around the world. Um, for those of you on the Southern Hemisphere, you're coming out of your lovely summers and uh, back into work and school and family life, etc. Um, and for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, well, January is always a great month to actually get over and say goodbye to and uh, the dark nights starting to brighten up a little bit and the weather starting to improve at least a few degrees. So I know that I'm always quite happy when we reach February. Um, we're not too far away from spring. Um, well, look, guys, the podcast today um, is a really uh, great podcast, in my opinion, of course. Um, and we have two things to look at. It is our 21st birthday this year um, as running the business of APPA Health Group. And certainly um, a, a little over uh, 21 years, so 21 years and one month now. Uh, since we ran our very first Pilates teacher training course. So I'm going to have a brief, and I will keep it brief, guys, so stay with me. I will keep it brief. Look back over what I've learned over those 21 years and take this as a little opportunity to just talk to those of you that maybe don't know much about us in relation to how those 20, 21 years evolved. But the main purpose today, and what I'm going to spend the most time on, I promise, is the release of the ACSM uh, top 20 fitness trends list for 2022. So in January each year, this list is put out and is put out for the benefit of us in the health and fitness industry to start to get a good insight into what is happening in the wider industry world. What are the new trends? What are the demands? Where could our future growth and our future plans come from? So I'm going to share my thoughts on what the list says this year about the industry what the changes have been from last year to this year, and what perhaps we can take from it as a Pilates industry as well. So let me begin by just uh, once again uh, acknowledging the 21st anniversary that we are celebrating this, this year. So I hope you guys are enjoying some of the uh, promotions that are coming out, some of the great offers that the education team are putting out for you guys, and some of the stories that are coming out in terms of the successes of our students over the last 21 years. But if you're new to Pilates 101, you're new to APPI, you may be wondering where we come from. So APPI is the abbreviation for the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute. And our history grows from Elisa Withers and myself being awarded a scholarship from the Australian Physiotherapy Association way back in the year 2000 uh, to come overseas and investigate the clinical relevance of Pilates. So when we got this scholarship, we um, had a, a chat to a number of different Pilates schools around the world, um, and some were very open to the idea, others were very much not open to the idea of us um, analyzing or looking at the validity of Pilates um, as a service delivery. Um, but we were delighted that uh, Michael King and the team uh, working with Michael at the time really embraced the concept of what we were doing and actively encouraged us and wanted to work with us and learn what we were learning as we went along the process. 
And so to this day, I hold the uh, open-mindedness and the professionalism and the foresight of Michael in extremely high regard because he was able to sort of look above what was right there. And at times, in, in, in that time especially, what appeared to be a bit of a closed-door approach to the Pilates teaching world and was really um, open and embracing of what we were trying to do. So we chose the UK um, and 22 years later, we're still here. <laughs> um, and so we came over and we trained um, with Michael through the Pilates Institute at the time in both the mat and the machines. Um, and it was a great experience for us. You know, I mean, I remember <clears throat> our equipment training was, I think it was three people, uh, most of our sessions in, uh, in the front room of the uh, Michael and Malcolm's flat, uh, I believe, which was both workspace, studio, home, all of it. So it's amazing to see what they've achieved over these last 21 years. Truly, truly remarkable and aspirational people. And uh, that's where it began. And so as a result of that, we saw this amazing exercise technique and the amazing way people were teaching this exercise technique. But the challenging part was going back into our world as a physiotherapist and certainly working within the NHS at the time, there were very few of the exercises we could use immediately with the clientele we were seeing. And so we set about the process of analysing each and every one of the classical 34 mat exercises to begin with, and then went on to the almost over 500 variations in the equipment and the apparatus that are taught. Um, and what we looked at was three things. We looked at pain, pathology, and function. We know what pain does to the muscles. So as a result of that pain inhibition, are these exercises truly activating or working the muscles that we believe they are? And if not, what do we need to do or alter or modify in order for that to occur? And then we looked at pathology. What are the most common injuries that we see in people? And in teaching this exercise, would this exercise either help or hinder that particular person's injury or rate of recovery. And then we looked at function. Um, and does this exercise truly begin to retrain a functional movement pattern, which can improve the efficiency of how somebody moves and functions in this world? Or is this purely more of a sort of targeted exercise to tone or sculpt a particular muscle? And so as a result of that, for each of the 34 classical movements, we created four to six variations of those. Some of the exercises we classed as precautions because we didn't feel it was all that relevant in that clinical environment we were looking at at that stage. And then we went on to create the APPI method and the institute called the Australian Physiotherapy and Pilates Institute. Um, and that's really how it all began for us. We um, started with a pay-as-you-go mobile phone and a laptop on the kitchen table of a rented uh, accommodation in Wigan in the northwest of England. Um, and we put an advertisement in Frontline, which is the physiotherapy uh, journal uh, in our industry. And thankfully the phone started ringing and we started taking bookings and um, we were really, really uh, pleased and delighted with the response. And since then, it has been one continued whirlwind. We're very, very thankful that initially the Pilates industry took on board what we had to say, took on board the findings of the research that we did, and took on board the concepts that we were trying to portray in how Pilates could be utilised for a more clinical-based population. And as it grew and grew, we had more and more um, requests for people 
outside of the pure physiotherapy world to understand and to get access to the training. And so we started to open it up to everyone within the allied health profession. And so that was people that had a three year or more allied health degree. And again, each time you're opening up to new professions, you learn more and we're able to evolve and adapt and continue to build and grow what it was we were offering. And then as we launched the concept of our conference, which is the One Goal, One Community Conference, um, it was pointed out to us that while we're portraying this concept of One Goal, One Community, we're not allowing access to our training unless you have this three or more allied health degree. And so it was at that stage that we started to open up and bring in our comprehensive map work and our bridging program and start this, our goal of creating this sort of healthcare network where you have physiotherapists and allied healthcare trained practitioners that can treat people that are in an injury state and progress their Pilates and get them going. And they can work with well-trained, well-informed, quality Pilates teachers that can then take those people on and continue to work in the same way that perhaps people have at an injured state and vice versa. Those people that are working in more of the uh, sort of fitness world or wellbeing world will have access to a more medicalized approach if they need more help for a particular client at any stage. And so creating a network of professionals that can inter-refer was a really important step for us in our journey. Now, as you, as you grow and as you face these challenges and adaptations within creating a you know, more service-based uh, delivery, there are, of course, challenges. Um, and one of those challenges is as you grow, you need to have really, really high quality staff in order to be able to continue the quality of the training. And that's where I really have to give a big shout out to all of the Pilates teacher trainers, presenters that have worked with us over the last 21 years. Um, many of you are still out there this to this day teaching the amazing program that we have and that we developed. And we thank you so much for your dedication, your professionalism and your ongoing inspiration you give to us to continue to evolve and develop. You guys know who you are. And there's been a number of you that have come and gone over the last 21 years as well. Um, and for those of you that started that journey with us, uh, you know, I think, well, maybe 18 years ago or so, um, we started to run the first lot of uh, presenter training programs that we, that we run and it takes us around about 12 months or so to get somebody to, um, for us to be confident and for them to be confident to go out and start delivering our courses. And we have a very structured process within our teacher training program once people um, you know, are showing that they're working at a high enough level to be considered as a presenter as well. So we're very proud of you guys. We're very thankful for your support and your loyalty over the years as well. And then I guess as we look back on sort of where we are and what we've done, um, one of the uh, proudest things that Elisa and I have is the concept that this program has been taken to all aspects of the world and that we've taken Pilates in into an environment where it is accessible and achievable for anyone, be that somebody you know, one day post back surgery all the way up to you know, professional footballers, dancers, winter sport Olympians, summer sport Olympians, professional sports people, and they've all benefited from this program. But when you think that there's people in really low rated socioeconomic areas in different languages in different countries being taught this program and accessing this program 
to improve their life and their qualities of everything that we have achieved. I think that's one of the proudest things that Alicia and I can say is that we have made some amazing life-changing um, moments within people's ability to move and function. And that's occurred in some of those areas that maybe wouldn't have had that opportunity had we not taken this program and broken it down and uh, grown the education network that we have. And now as we look to the future, um, we have this the past two years that's thrown every element of a possible ongoing challenge to us and to you guys as an industry and as a community. And so I do think that the future is extremely bright for all of us. I think that we've done an amazing job surviving these last two years and that it is a chance now to really explore and explode the concept of movement, of movement re-education, of movement-based medicine and all that APPI has to offer. And so I guess that is a good lead way into the main purpose of my discussion today. And that is the 2022 fitness trends list. So what I'd like to um, share with you is just the um, introduction um, that comes with the report. And uh, I think it's appropriate for us to have a look at, at this from the point of view of its um, its founder. So let's have a look at what he has to say. Um, so this is uh, coming from the ATSM's Health and Fitness Journal, um, and it talks about the 2020 list as such. Last year's introduction started with the year 2020 is the most memorable in many of our lives, especially those of us in the fitness industry. We predicted that the worldwide pandemic known as COVID-19 would change everything. Well, it certainly did. And now as we enter the year 2022, the fitness world continues to feel its effects. The more widespread use of vaccinations, mitigation efforts, and our need to get back to a normal lifestyle may have influenced the 2022 survey results. For example, new to last year's survey was the inclusion of new trends such as online training and virtual training, number one in the 2021 list. For 2022, online, live, and on-demand exercise classes fell to number nine. The number one trend for 2022 was wearable technology. The number two trend for 2021, but was number one in 2019 and 2020. Home exercise gyms is the number two trend for 2022, and outdoor exercise is the number three trend. No doubt the result of COVID-19 recommendations, outsize uh, outdoor exercise was the number four trend for 2021, but number 17 for 2019 and number 13 in 2020. High intensity interval training was the number one trend in 2014, but fell to number five for 2021 and continues to drop now at number seven for 2022. The results of this annual survey help uh, the health and fitness industry make critical business decisions for future growth and development. These investments can be based on emerging trends that have been identified by health and fitness professionals all over the world, instead of basing these decisions on latest exercise infomercials found on television, social media, or the next hottest celebrity endorsing a product. For the last 16 years, the editors of ACSM's Health and Fitness Journal have circulated an electronic survey to thousands of professionals around 
excuse me, around the world to determine health and fitness trends for the following year. This survey guides health and fitness programming efforts for 2022 and beyond. The first survey conducted in 2006 for predictions in 2007 introduced a systematic way to forecast health and fitness trends, and these surveys have been conducted annually since that same time. All right, so one of the most important things when they are looking at this particular survey is identifying the difference between a trend and a fad, and this is an important part of the classifications here. So they define the trend as a general development or change in a situation or in the way that people are behaving, whereas a fad is described as a style, activity, or interest that is very popular for a short period of time. So this list is a list of fitness trends. It is not taking into account what they believe might be fads within the exercise industry. And I think that's a really important uh, difference to make. So we can really understand what it is that we're looking at. So let's uh, have a look at what it is that we have on the list today. Um, it's important to note, I think at this time, that this is a worldwide fitness trend list. Um, it's not just an American list, um, and it has respondents from all over the world, all aspects of the globe, um, for sure. Um, and now all of this information is also available online at the ACSM's Health and Fitness Journal and can be found there if you want to read the, the full article and the full details in full. So the results of the survey says that the top 20 fitness trends for 2022 are described in this report. The report reveals potential trends as defined in the survey. It is not unusual for potential trends to drop out of the top 20 and later to be labeled as a fad. New to the top 20 trends for 2022 include the new number one trend, wearable technology, and a new number two trend, home exercise gyms. Online training was redefined for clarity to online live and on-demand exercise classes and was number 26 for 2020 and number one for 2021, but has fallen to number nine in 2022. Dropping two places to number seven is hit and falling to number 20 is group exercise training. Continuing out of the top 20 from 2021 includes circuit training, worksite health promotion and workplace well-being, children and exercise isn't that a shame gosh and outcome measures falling out of the top 20 again a real shame that those things are not included but here we go let's get on to what the actual list is so i will go through the top 20 list and then we'll have a look at the top 10 in closer detail so the list as it is for 2022 number one as we touched on before wearable technology number two home exercise gyms number three outdoor activities number four strength training with free weights number five exercise for weight loss number six personal training number seven high intensity interval training and number eight body weight training number nine online live and on-demand exercise classes and number 10, health and wellness coaching. Number 11, fitness programs for older adults. Number 12, exercise is medicine. Love that. Love that that's in there. That's pretty much our catchphrase in our clinics. Number 13, 
employing certified fitness professionals. Number 14, functional fitness training. Number 15, yoga. Number 16, mobile exercise apps. Number 17, online personal training. Number 18, licensure for fitness professionals. Number 19, lifestyle medicine. And number 20, group exercise training. All right, so let's have a look at this top 10. We look at wearable technology. Now, wearable technology, of course, is an enormous part of life now, isn't it? We pretty much, we have our uh, smartphones, we have our watches, your apples, your garments, your uh, sanitas, all the rest of it. So there's an enormous amount that's out there for us. Um, I think, you know, initially, maybe there was some concerns over wearable technology purely in the sort of fitness and health sector because of their accuracy. Um, but it looks like that's, uh, that's not as much of a concern and it is a big part. I guess the thing we take from that is how does that impact us within the Pilates industry? And I've touched on this before. Um, I think we have to be uh, conscious and careful that, you know, uh, yeah, I have some clients that come to sessions and they, you know, they start their watch before the session so they can look at what their energy expenditure is, what their calorie burn is, what their heart rate is, etc. And I think we have to be very conscious of what Pilates is about and why you're doing Pilates and what your goal of Pilates is and how that links to the information that we can get from, uh, from um, a wearable technology. Um, so I think it, it's, it's something for us just to, to keep aware of. I think I don't think it being number one on this list impacts on us enormously straight away. Um, but I, I do think it's important that we understand that the world is out there in embracing wearable technology and how we can facilitate it, make use of it, address it within our sessions is important for us to start to get a little bit of analysis around and a little bit of conscious thought around how you feel that might impact on your sessions. Number two, home exercise gyms. Well, I think this is clearly going to be a outcome of the pandemic. Um, and it says on the survey here that uh, the prediction is that home gyms will continue to be a popular alternative to go into a gym as a consequence of the global 19 pandemic. People will continue to isolate themselves by staying at home and taking advantage of the abundant equipment now available, along with effective online classes. And so it's really interesting, isn't it, um, that we've got here home exercise gyms being number two, but we've got a significant decrease in the demand for online exercise classes compared to at the peak of the pandemic in terms of 2020, 2021. So I think that's really important for us to um, rem remember and take on board. And what I take from this is the enormous importance of ensuring that we're engaging with the practice that people are doing in their homes. So making sure that you have access to things like our Pilates Pro Live software package, where you can generate home exercise programs and send that to people, and they can access that on their phones, on their devices, wherever they are. So linking that concept of technology with the concept that home exercise gyms are 
you know, a significant part of people's lives now. And so if we want to really add value to our clients coming into our studios and continue to draw people in, I think it's important that we acknowledge the fact that people have more access to exercise gyms in their home and exercise equipment. Now, on the Pilates side of that, it can be as simple as things like your balls, your bands, your mats, your pillows, yeah, etc. And that provides opportunity for all of you guys. You know, we run a, a product business here and we offer that as an apps and outlet for you guys to become resellers where you can buy all of our products at a discounted rate and sell that on to your product, to your clients as a passive revenue stream. And it's an increasing part of, of the businesses. So those of you that are out there running private studios, private clinics, um, really consider whether you're maximizing what it is that you could be doing. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about that reseller program, please contact the guys at the Institute uh, on, the, on the email there, info at appahealthgroup.com, and they'll be able to give you more information about that. The Pilates Pro Live software is, is brilliant. We use it all day long in our centers, and that's a big thing for me. I believe every single person coming to a Pilates session should have a home program that they continue on. And being able to create that program for them, send it to them within a few clicks, and then being able to update it and continue to evolve that is a real added benefit for people. And they really see the value in that, and that adds to their satisfaction coming to you. So keep that in mind, please. Home exercise gyms are big. As teachers, we need to engage in that and ensure that we're giving those home programs to our clients as well. Outdoor activities, um, understandable, I think. Ain't at number three, you know, I think everyone's keen to get outside and do as much as we can. And then for us in the Pilates industry, that then brings into, okay, well, where's our opportunity within that? Um, and so I know many of you do this, um, but it might be something to think about more on the Northern Hemisphere here as we head into the spring, summer month. Is there an element of outdoor Pilates that we can offer to people? You know, is running that, you know, summer evening classes, you know, outside on the patio area near your centres or in the park across the road. Um, you know, what are your options there? Do check into your legalities. I know we have a bit of an issue around us in uh, the Hampstead area that uh, using the, the, the heath is, is not so straightforward. Um, but do think about that. It's, you know, how can you engage in that outdoor activity or it might simply be becoming aware of it and understanding your advice that you're giving to clients about getting outside and ensuring that they have that complementary exercise to what you can achieve in the Pilates studio as well. And I talk a lot to clients about the fact that often what Pilates is doing is giving the body the resilience and the tolerance to go and engage in those other exercise activities that perhaps their body might not have been ready for before. So utilizing the connection there I think is an important thing as well. Strength training with free weights in at number four. Um, and um, it's, uh, it says here in terms of, of that in relation to the survey, um, surveys conducted before 2021 included the category described as strength training. That description was determined to be too broad. Therefore, strength training was dropped in 2020 in favor of the more specific strength training with free weights. Free weights, barbells, kettlebells, dumbbells, and medicine ball classes do not incorporate barbells into other functional classes or activities. Instructors start by teaching proper form for each exercise and then progressively increase the resistance once the correct form is accomplished. Uh, it debuted at number 
four in 2020, dropped to number eight for 2021, but interestingly is back at number four in the 2022 survey. So again, I think it's just important that we take that on board in relation to how do we evolve our Pilates practice as well. Um, in looking at this, it's uh, part of the reason why we're bringing on our uh, Pilates for Strength and Conditioning course this year. Um, it's in line with the fitness trends that are out there and happening. Um, so we've engaged with Francis Sanderson, who's a strength and conditioning specialist, and he's developing a program to ensure that we can link that concept into what we offer to you guys from an education point of view this year. Um, but again, I think it comes back just to ensuring that we continue to evolve ourselves as teachers and, and looking at the concept that you, know, you can engage the Pilates moves with free weights to enhance and increase it as long as, as it says in the survey here, we teach the appropriate form and function in doing that. Number five is exercise for weight loss. Um, they've been in the top 20 since the survey began. Um, in 20, 2009, it was as low as 18 before regaining popularity through 2015 and 2016. Um, uh, but it did start to drop down the trend. And in 2021, last year, it was at number 16. So it's had a massive increase back into number five. Now, I wonder if this is the, uh, the so-called lockdown pounds that people have uh, found that has, uh, has come into their environment, shall we say? Um, and perhaps that's an indication as to why it is a fitness trend. Now, again, it's important within our industry for us to understand this. People are looking for expert help and advice in relation to getting their life back on track, engaging in healthier activities, and exercising for weight loss clearly involves a number of components, doesn't it? It involves the cardio, it involves the strength, it involves the stretching, it involves the mobility because the body has to be able to cope with that change in exercise or movement or what have you. And so I think it's important, again, that if people are coming to you and they have these goals and you're thinking about, well, how can Pilates help that? Because many people have the misconception that Pilates doesn't do anything for weight loss, but it does an enormous amount for people looking to engage in weight loss. Because many people, certainly if they're non-exercisers and start this process, can injure themselves very easily by not having any exercise tolerance built into their body. And again, this is where, for example, both the mat work, but very importantly, and in my opinion, more so the apparatus work or the large equipment work really helps in building a little bit more robustness, strength into a person's body that then can help them maintain successful exercise habits on the cardio uh, front in terms of whether it be their biking, their swimming, their running, their walking, their hiking, etc. Um, so it's an important thing to really keep in, in, in mind and engage with your clients to find out what else they're doing in order to try and hit those goals as well. It's good to see personal training is still in there and strong at number six. Um, and that obviously would, in my opinion, encompass an enormous amount of what we do in terms of your Pilates one-to-one -one training as well. High intensity interval training is still there at number seven. Um, our Healthy Hit program is still extremely popular. Um, it's a full certification now and it's proven even more popular as a result. Um, but high intensity interval training, um, it's, you know, initially there were some concerns in relation to the injuries, hence why we developed our program. Um, but it is continuing to be a very popular form of exercise. So adding these types of classes in or adding bursts of this within your more um, advanced level classes could be a really good concept to keep in mind as well. 
The other thing to think about is for you guys in your own health, because as Pilates teachers and as healthcare professionals, we spend so much time giving to other people. Often the time we have to keep our own bodies in good shape is diminished. And so thinking about is high intensity interval training an option for you in order to keep your body in good physical shape and, and a way to inspire and help others as you move forward on that journey as well. Body weight training um, in at number eight. Um, and you know, when I look at things like this, um, and it says here, body weight training uses minimal equipment, which makes it an inexpensive way to exercise effectively. Using a combination of variable resistance, body weight training, and neuromotor movements, using multiple planes of movement, this program is all about using body weight as the training modality. Now, this is, in my opinion, what we do in Pilates. So when I look at that, and I look at, you know, in relation to number six, seven, eight, it encompasses here everything that we do teach in Pilates. And so while the word Pilates has dropped out of this top 20 list, the aspects of what Pilates does and the, the way that we teach Pilates, in my opinion, is still very much embedded here within the top 10 of what people want. So it's just keeping that in mind um, in terms of, you know, when you're looking at these lists, where is it that what we do and where is that demand coming from? Now, interestingly, dropped here down to number nine, online live and on-demand exercise classes. So I have read a number of reports that is suggesting that the demand for um, the more live online training platforms is uh, decreasing. Um, on-demand exercise classes is, is still there and looks to be a popular um, aspect. Um, and that's why we have our Pilates TV channel for you guys that's designed for your teachers as well, for you guys to keep up your exercise and doing what you need to do, as well as for those people exercising at home that want access to a large variety of teachers. But it was obviously right there at number one in 2021, and it has dropped significantly down to number nine. And I think that just shows that there is a change happening in what people want. People are coming back into the studios. They are wanting that one-to-one -one attention. They want people to see them, what they're doing, to get that tactile facilitation and that teacher's eye on what they're doing, which I think is a really good thing. But it is still there in the top 10. So, you know, we have to keep in mind with that, whether you um, engage with us and, and become an affiliate for the Pilates TV system where you can refer people into that and get rewarded for that, whether you look to do a hybrid system for your own studios and continue to offer some online classes, some live classes, etc., that's up to you guys to decide. So it's still there. Um, I think it's important that we see that you know the, the concept of everything being online is is diminishing, and people are wanting back into live uh, live you know, both our education courses. It's coming back, and also in relation to the fitness trend list here as well. And then number 10 finishes with health and wellness coaching. Um, the um, it, previous surveys included wellness coaching, um, but for the 2019 survey, the term health was added to better describe this trend. It's been consistently up there in the top 20 since 2020, uh, since 2010, I should sorry, say sorry. And then the last few years was uh, number 11 in 2019, number nine in 2020, and number 11 for 2021. Um, so it's showing again that, that people are wanting that increased focus of both health and wellness. 
um, looking at clients' values, the specific clients' needs and the vision, the short and long-term goals using behavior change intervention strategies. So it's not just the physical, but looking at the mental and the emotional side of how people's behaviors towards exercise and wellness are evolving. And so if this is not your forte, not your skill set, I highly recommend you engaging with people that are trained in this element because there's a number of times where I would recommend that some of my clients go and see some other like-minded professionals who can help them with the behaviors around their approach to exercise and wellness. And it's not that you have to be able to do all of this, but I think it's important that you understand it and you have a network around you that you can use and utilize um, to ensure that you're capitalizing on everything you can give to your clients. And so there it is, guys. There is your top 20 list that we read out earlier. A look at the top 10 trends and how I think it might link and impact on us within the Pilates industry. So I do urge all of you to go and have a look at the article itself, the ACSM's Health and Fitness Journal, and it's the top fitness trend list for 2022. Um, it's something that we look at at the start of each year. It is something that you really should be um, conscious of. Um, and it's not a case that obviously you, you take it as read, like I've done here, have a look at it, see what it is that you can, uh, can learn from that and understand where your opportunities might be in the year or years ahead. One thing to say is that it is disappointing to see that children and exercise has dropped so much um, in this fitness trend list and it is an ongoing uh, concern of, of mine and of us um, in terms of the uh, concept of making exercise normal within our children. And so the last thing that I will say, just my little bit of a, a rant to finish off here or, or, or observation, shall I say, is with the disruption to our children's schooling over the last few years, it does appear that that disruption has also led to a decrease in the uptake of people and of children really doing that level of exercise. A lot of the schools haven't been able to deliver the exercise programs they want. A lot of inter-school competitions have not been able to be undertaken. And so people get out of certain habits and then getting back into those habits is challenging for kids as much as for adults. And so trying to normalize exercise for our kids, trying to encourage them into our good exercise behaviors is an enormous benefit that we can give, whether it be to our children, to children in your community, in your wider family networks, however it might be. But I know that for Elisa and I, um, you know, as, you, as many of you know, we have five beautiful children um, most of the time, and we do prioritize how we normalize exercise for them. And we do it by making sure we are regular exercises and that they can see the value we put on exercise. We do family exercise to try and make sure exercise normal to us. And we will make sure that we you know, will put aside certain things that we might like to do in order to engage and encourage in our children's choice of exercise. And so I understand that that's not, um, you know, everybody can't do that, but I guess it's just a, a shout out to say it is really disappointing to see but of the things that we're looking at for 2022, getting our children back in to exercise is not as prioritized as weight loss, for example. Um, and maybe we need a bit of a, a reset on where our values might be there, perhaps. Being healthy, being fit, being able to move 
within your world and your environment, irrespective of what your body um, may look like or view or how anyone else sees it, the important thing is being fit and healthy in whatever environment or way or shape you can be. And trying to make sure that our children are part of that conscious thought, I think is very, very important. And so that's it, guys. That's it for me. I will stop it there. I thank you very much for your time yet again this month. And I will see you again in a month's time for the next episode of Pilates 101. Thanks for listening.